0: You're listening to Two Brain Radio. We make gyms profitable, getting you on track to making every day your perfect day. Every week, we'll deliver top-shelf business tactics to help improve your gym, advance your fitness career, and move you closer to wealth.
1: On this episode, we talk to John Briggs of Insight Tax. I wanted to get John on here because I've started to see a trend. Gym owners, that are getting audited and they're getting audited because the IRS doesn't believe that their contractors are really subcontractors. They can get audited for many other reasons, but it seems like a trend is starting to occur. I wanted to get John on here to kind of talk about that. We talk about what are the documents that you're going to need to successfully navigate through an audit. We talk about tax planning for the following year, but also that there is some time left and you can prepare yourself as best as possible from now until December 31st for 2018. We also hit on something new that you may not know about, John. Yes, he owns Inside Tax, but he also recently invested into a local gym of his. We navigate through what that was like and why he did it. I Can't wait to have you guys listen to this episode. As always, if you have any questions for me or you would like any more information for me to bring on certain guests to talk about some of the expert situations they are in, let me know at greg at com. Enjoy the show. All right. I'm here with John Briggs, owner of Insight Tax. And... I wanted to kind of get into a few different things here. So welcome to the show, John. I'm so happy you had time for us and we're we're able to uh kind of hit on a few different thing topics
2: in this uh podcast episode. Yeah, super excited to be here, Craig. I appreciate the invitation. Always willing to support you guys. I love what you do. Thank you. Thank you. And we love what you do.
1: You save us money. <laughs> so it definitely definitely helps. It's a it's an even trade, I'd say. So I kind of wanted to talk about you guys started off Insight Tax in 2011, and I can only imagine how often you see this, but my big thing that I've started to see and notice is gyms being audited for having 1099 subcontractors versus employees. And I think it's a topic that more and more gym owners are probably going to start seeing and other business owners that decide that they're going to have subcontractors versus employees if whatever service they are currently offering um, or even product-based it facilitates having a subcontractor versus an employee. So, I kind of wanted to get into audits and what people need to expect if this does happen, what kind of documentation they're going to be getting, and then kind of more prepare themselves for an audit if that, if that does occur.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, I think the first thing everyone should be aware of is that this is always going to be an issue because of the tax difference, the tax treatment, the way it's different on a 1099 contractor or a W 2 employee. The government gets payroll tax. The state gets state unemployment, all on employees. And so they want that money. They don't get any money if it's at a contractor. Well, technically they get money, but when they have smart tax planners, you can severely reduce your tax burden on the 1099 income. So the government's always going to look for money. This has actually been an issue forever, ever since we got involved in the CrossFit space. It'll continue to be an issue. So I'm, I'm glad we're talking about it because it certainly is always seems to be a heated debate on forums and threads with always, you always have those people who all, they're experts because they have a friend who dealt with it or they think they dealt with it and now they're the authority on it. So hopefully we can at least debunk some myths and we can talk about how the process works so that your audience will know how to appropriately handle these things. Uh, So with that being said, these are always going to be triggered with a letter. Occasionally, some states are aggressive enough that they will actually send somebody out to your space. Those you always want to be wary of because even if they do come out, there is always going to be some sort of letter uh, that happens around the same time period uh, just because there, there are some fraud things that go on where people portray themselves as government agents. Anyway, so just be aware if someone shows up. Um, there should be an accompanying letter that you get separate from that individual. And it's important to note, these audits are done by the state, not done by the IRS, usually. I, In fact, in 100% of the cases we've helped with, helped with our clients, they are all state-driven. What that letter that you got is what it's going to explain to you is they're saying, we would like to look at your records. Now, they're not flat out, usually they're not flat out saying, We want to make sure that you are not neglecting paying us money that we think you owe us. They typically are a little bit more deceptive than that. Um, And so they're going to say, we'd like to look at your records of employees you've played and checks you've written to contractors. And, you know, we want check records. We want bank statements. We want to look at invoices that you were given. So, and normally the list is pretty daunting. Normally that's where we've had our clients reach out or prospects reach out and just say, "I got this letter. I have zero idea what the crap it's asking about." So a lot of times they need interpretation. But that's generally what they're asking for is basically every single evidence you have of money that paid what that was paid to an individual. They generally give you, uh, you know, two weeks <laughs> to get you the information. Uh, to get sorry, to get the government the information, sometimes they request you to call them to schedule when you'll have it available, but effectively that's all the information that's in the first letter.
1: okay, so just to just to clarify, I'll keep recapping as we go, if an individual they own a business they're they're having subcontractor work. They get decide that the government says, hey, we're going to check into this. They're going to receive a letter. They're not going to receive a phone call or an email or anything like that. Those are usually more suspicious. They're going to receive a letter that basically says, hey, we kind of want to dig into this. And they're going to be looking at records, bank bank statements, invoices, and kind of give you a
2: deadline. Is, is that kind of a good sum up of that? Yeah, that's a good sum up. And on the email thing, if I ever got an email requesting this information, I would separately search the phone number I should call for the government agency for the state and call them and ask them if this is a legitimate email. Those are more than likely going to be um, fraud cases. Okay.
1: Now, sub-question sub, sub question to this, If for any of our listeners that does not have a accountant and they're going through this process, do you feel like and I know in your case, being an accountant, being a CPA, it, you're going to say yes. But if somebody's trying to navigate through this uh, without one, what are usually the challenges they're going to face trying to do this alone? The challenge
2: that they're going to face is those government agents are typically pretty trained to make you feel good without you realizing they're dissecting and analyzing everything that you say. So if you end up saying something the wrong way, even though you meant it differently, they will, they're going to take that information. Uh, I have an example. I was sitting in an audit with a client, and we typically advise them, don't answer their questions, please. We'll answer them for you. If they do ask you a direct question, keep the answers yes or no as simple as possible. He threw out the statement, I'm considering filing for bankruptcy. Because he said that, the IRS auditor was able to accelerate a whole bunch of, of very aggressive tactics because he said the word bankruptcy. So If someone's going at this alone, just not knowing the vernacular that uh, we use in the tax world, just like we use in the CrossFit world with WODs and AMRAPs and EMOMs, it, the same thing exists in our world. If you use the wrong word incorrectly based on how the government agent defines it, you could get yourself into a lot of trouble.
1: Wow. Okay. That's, I mean, that's huge. So even if an audit happens, something like this, and you guys are actually, they're going over after the letter and, and we'll dig into that more. If they're on a phone call, you guys actually will sit through with that person and basically not not completely answer the questions for them, but answer them in the ways that's going to benefit the client the best.
2: Yeah, and if, for the clients who engage us to help them with this, we actually keep them out of the process as much as possible just because we don't want that risk of the auditor trying to ask a direct question. Plus, with the client not on the phone when we're talking to the government agent, we can always say, hey, that's a great question. I wrote it down. I'll get back to you. And then that gives us some time to maybe find documentation that uh, they may be looking for, things like that.
1: Excellent. Okay. So now we got the letter, we got all the information, you've sat down, if if we have you going through this stuff, what's
2: usually the next step that happens during an audit? Well, I mean, the bulk of it is getting them their initial request of information. And that's where the challenge is too, of knowing what your rights are as far as what you have to give them, what you don't have to give them. Because they ask for the kitchen sink, man, everything in the kitchen sink you don't always have to give them everything. And so we always start with giving them the most relevant information. We never give them the full list of what they request. Uh, and then from there, it every case then becomes very unique because it depends on the auditor, depends on their mood. <laughs> I'm not kidding. They could be in a good mood someday and a bad mood the next day. It's terrible. And s- sometimes the case can last a couple weeks. Sometimes it last months. But then it just becomes this communication back and forth. They might have follow up questions. Occasionally, they request to speak to the people you're paying. And normally, you know that ahead of time so that you can have a conversation with those contractors or your coaches in this case, usually in this case, and talk to them about what's likely to happen and maybe phrases they should or shouldn't use, those types of things. So, it's, it, and it really just every case then at that point takes on their own unique. Uh, feel just based on those aspects.
1: Gotcha. How, how long do you think uh, this process takes from the time they usually get a letter till the time that they are completely through the process? What's, what's, what do you usually see? And I know you said that it can take well, weeks or months, but, but we've seen cases like solved as short as two and a half
2: weeks takes? and we've seen some drag out to around six months. But if, I mean, if, if I had to give you an average, I'd say be mentally prepared for three months. But that, that's not like three months of ongoing work or focus or attention. It's literally they request information from you, and they give you a really short deadline to get it to them. And then they take their sweet A time to respond to you. That's typically how it works when dealing with the government on these things.
1: Gotcha. And uh, I, can, I can definitely attest to that because in my personal situation, I, I dealt that with the state, actually. There's a thing in New Mexico called gross receipts tax, which I believe is one of like three states uh, that still have it, uh, but we, we basically get taxed off the top of anything, any revenue we bring in. Um, it's an 8.1, I think 8.125 now um, percentage off the top, no deductions, no anything else off of that. So that was a, an issue that I dealt with and I dealt with, uh, I of course, work with you and uh, work with Mandy. And uh, she really helped me kind of navigate through what I needed to at the end of the day. Of course, it wasn't it wasn't a happy ending. Um, It it came down to actually something that I did have to pay and had to back pay for. Um, So it's it's definitely it can be a drawn out process where you get them the information very quickly and they take their very sweet time with it. So it just leaves you on edge constantly.
2: Yeah. And that, you know, one thing people sometimes get afraid of, whether it's a 1099 W-2 audit or like a sales tax or grocery receipt type of audit, you may not have the money. Like if you look at it and you're like, oh, crap, I think I might actually owe this. It's always better to communicate with them and work something out than to ignore them until you think you have the money to cover it. Because in most cases, even on back scenarios, you can work out payment plans if you're communicating with them. Agreed, agreed, and that's uh
1: that's actually exactly exactly those steps that you you guys uh instructed me to do, and uh, that's what I followed through with. So I completely completely agree with that statement because I I and I, I personally went through it. So that leads me kind of to the next scenario. So if we get this we get this audit if that ever does happen to us. I think uh, it's kind of one of those scenarios that if you get a motorcycle, it's not if you fall, but when you fall. So it's more of Everyone that owns a business that they need to prepare themselves for an audit at some point in time, uh, and that's where it's, it's very nice to have a, a business that can help you with that. So having an accountant, having a CPA. But going forward, we're being reactive in that scenario, and I want to I kind of switch gears and go to more of a proactive standpoint. And being proactive, I want to kind of get into tax planning. So I know right now we're getting closer to the end of the year. I believe we have eight weeks left before the new year. What would you say is the opportune time to start preparing ourselves for our 2018 tax returns and then
2: even for our 2019 uh, year? So a couple of thoughts there. First one is the best time to start preparing for 2018 was January 1st, 2018. Um, So the best time to prepare for 2019 taxes will be January 1st. Part of tax planning, especially in light of what we've been talking about, understanding that there's a possibility because gyms have this nice little spotlight on them with the way coaches are treated, you should be tax planning with the idea of having your documentation in order to prove that your coaches are 1099, if you're paying them 1099. We have clients that are like, it's just not, we don't want to do some extra steps. We don't, we don't care. We're going to pay the extra payroll tax. Guess what? You don't need any proof that your people are employees. You're paying them as employees. The IRS doesn't care that they're really contractors. They'll take the extra free money. No problem. But it's important to make sure that your independent contractor agreements reflect the real relationship you have with them, that you truly are letting them act as independent contractors. So like, anyone part of the two-brain family, um, as they go through the growth stage, as their growth members, we've provided access to some checklists and things that all two-brain members should be familiar with and reviewing when it comes to how am I treating my relationship with the client. So first, that's the first tax planning thing I would suggest based on what we just talked about. From an income tax standpoint, we certainly, gosh, we do not want to Pay any more money than we have to. Because if there's one thing that I've seen, the government really sucks at spending our money. I mean, they are terrible at it. And I just don't want them to have that control over my money. So let me keep as much of it as possible. When it comes to tax planning, one of the easiest first things to do is look at your entity structure. Am I set up as an LLC? Am I set up as an S corporation? Am I a partnership? What's the best structure for me? The correct business selection will help you minimize self-employment tax. And self-employment tax is just this fun little tax on top of your income tax. Uh, And it's pretty avoidable, or at least you can minimize how much of that you pay. So that's that's probably the first thing that we look at. The second thing is, if your gym isn't currently profitable, you don't have to tax plan because you won't owe any taxes, but you should probably meet with Two Brain so that you can worry about paying taxes in the future. And so, some other planning that we like is based on the cash flow methodology called Profit First. And for tax planning purposes, what that means is twice a month, I'm gonna set aside a small percentage of my revenue into a purposeful bank account. And its only job is to hold this tax money for me so that when April comes the next year, I have money already there. And by setting it aside twice a month in these small increments, I don't ever feel the tax pain from it. I don't feel the pain of, hey, congratulations, you have a successful business and you owe $10,000 in taxes. Oh, well, I spent that 10000 So this way I set it aside. Um, that's, we really like profit first for that reason. Now, so that's just kind of basics that everyone should do. When it comes to tax planning, especially with tax reform, you guys have two months left to figure out how it applies to you. It, it's always worthwhile to do a tax estimate. You're close enough to the end of the year where you can project November and December and really be pretty accurate with what your taxable income is going to look like. And then you can figure out, okay, looks like I'm going to X amount. I also have some cash set aside, so maybe there's some things I can do with that cash. Good tax strategies will help minimize that. Like uh, I think uh, most of your two brain audience, if especially the growth members, they're familiar with some strategies we do. We call it corporate rent, where you can set up this structure and you rent your house. Business rents your house from you. That's a free tax savings. I we don't really have time to go into all the details of that, but that's a great strategy. If your adjusted gross income, which is a fancy way to basically say all your income from all your sources, if that number is less than three hundred and fifteen thousand dollars, you are going to be the proud beneficiary or recipient of a twenty percent reduction of your business income. Uh, tax reform was passed, and basically if if my business did hundred thousand dollars, of taxable income, I'm only going to pay tax on eighty thousand of that. Uh, so you want to take that into consideration when you're looking at how much taxes you might owe come April. Again, if I have cash flow or if I have the cash available and I know that I need new equipment and that has been in the works or I'm thinking about doing that in the next quarter to six months, you might want to consider purchasing that before the end of the year. Because that's gonna you can write off for uh, the full value of that equipment, even if you are savvy enough to say get a loan with rig equipment, and you're only and you're not even coming out of pocket in cash, uh, even if you borrow the money, you can still get the full tax deduction for the value of the equipment. So that's a, a good strategy if you are already planning on buying equipment. I we are not fans of spending money for the sake of spending money just to save taxes. That's just so silly. Don't do that. If it's in the plans and you have the cash available, then doing it now makes sense. But don't go and buy sandbags. Don't don't ever buy sandbags. Don't go and buy a rower now just because you want a tax write-off but don't need the new rower. And then depending on your individual situation, it's always worthwhile to look at some retirement accounts, whether that's a 401k or an IRA. Uh, Those can provide some nice tax benefits if it fits in your long-term financial plan. And that is something that you probably need to have a conversation with somebody who understands your plan before they can give you a proper recommendation. But it that's always an option.
1: Okay. So we have we have basically if we're going to be sitting down and kind of planning for next year, we're looking at basically what structure fits best. Now, I know I I have an LLC. Are you allowed to switch over to a, a corporation or anything like that? Is that that's definitely
2: doable? So LLCs don't exist with the tax code. The LLCs are state entities, just like S-corporations is only a tax status. So you actually have an LLC taxed as an S-corp. Okay. So gotcha. So it's more of the LLC is just a
1: a word that we can use for our own sakes of owning a business, but really it's in verbiage of, of the IRS. They're going to, like you said, change it from an LLC taxed as an S corp. Am I am I getting that correct?
2: Yeah, so they basically just say if you have an LLC, you're either okay. going to tax it as a sole proprietor, as a partnership, or as an S corp. And to them, that's what you have. You either you're a sole proprietor, you have a partnership, or an S corp. So you if you have an LLC, can elect to have it taxed as an S corp if that makes sense for your situation with whether you have business partners or not. I mean, all that goes into play with the right entity choice.
1: Yeah. Okay, so then from there, we're looking at profit first, setting aside money, making sure that we are setting aside at least a little bit of money of what we're making each month, but breaking that down into two different payments so that you're not feeling the burden of taking $1,000 every single month if you're making 10000 and making sure that it goes into a tax account. Uh, I know personally, I put it on there, government's money do not touch is actually the title of what that account is. So that I know every time I go in there, it's it's not something I can ever pick out and and use for equipment purchases, or I need to get uniforms and, and buy a new... Shirts or something like that. Exactly. Then from there, you said uh, basically off the top with, with the tax reform, we have about a 20% tax reduction um, as long as our gross amount of revenue is below 315000 Is that correct?
2: Not gross. So that's going to be if you have another job, it'd be that income plus your taxable income from the business if you have other entities, it's it's the taxable income of everything in your life. If you're married and that's under three hundred fifteen thousand, you're going to get the twenty percent deduction.
1: Okay, and then from there, if we have equipment, if we have uh, stuff that we need to buy, depending on where we're sitting uh, after getting through all of these other options, uh, that's where we kind of look at it with our CPA or accountant if we should be getting equipment and what what we should be getting before before the end of the year if we have the ability to do so and not just to spend money to spend money as you said perfect exactly okay well the re- the very last thing i kind of want to talk about is something that you did recently and that was you decided to buy into a gym is that correct that that is correct what, what made you, uh, you want to do that? What made you want to uh, invest into a CrossFit gym in your local community?
2: You know, it, there's a few reasons because I've been involved with CrossFit from the tax side for about five years now. And I just, I love what fitness does for people. Uh, I love what it's done for me. I mean, CrossFit has literally changed my life. So I've drank the Kool-Aid. And so from a selfish standpoint, I have my team members go to CrossFit and this particular gym that we go to, I was like, man, based on what I know from what Two Brain has taught me and all the podcasts I listen to and being in the space, I think these guys are going to go out of business. And so I just sent a pretty candid email to the owner and said, hey, I'm concerned uh, you're not doing the things necessary to be a successful gym. Um hypothetically, if I were the owner, these are the first three things that I would do, and I'd do them immediately. And he reached out and said, I've actually considered selling my gym. I've tried to sell it. Uh, do you want to go to lunch? And then he brought up the possibility of me buying in. And I said, I, I would love to because I I love the community. I think the coaches are great. And I, I like where we're at. and um, So I want to help make this successful. But then I also felt like this really helps me on the tax side because now I understand a lot of the back end operations. And so, in fact, I was just talking to our team about this today. You know, we we know that as the most successful gyms have at least the three streams of revenue from group training, personal training, and the nutrition coaching. And the gym that I bought into didn't have any of those other than group training. And we're currently in the process working with HSN getting the nutrition side up and running. But even with the bolt-on service that they have, it's time consuming and there's work involved. It's not just like magic. Okay. One day I don't have nutrition. Next day I do, and I can sell it. You have to do stuff. I couldn't even imagine doing it without the guidance of HSN. But like now I can tell them when you tell clients that in the meetings, Hey, I'm looking at your revenue streams and you need to add these different things. I think we can be a lot more sincere in our approach now, and you'll understand what that really means to them. And just that delivery alone uh, is going to be more valuable to our clients because they're already now setting up expectations like, oh, these guys are serious. Like, they know I need this, but they also understand what this means to me personally. It just gives us a lot more intimate knowledge of what we're doing. And I I don't know if I'm putting it into words properly, but that's the best way to describe it that I know.
1: No, and I, I would... Completely agree with you on that. I mean, if if coming from own, owning a gym and, and branching out and opening in other businesses, when I, I talk to somebody, especially if I'm talking to my accountant, I want them to be able to put it into my words. I mean, it's going to make the conversation go a lot faster and it's going to make me understand it. If you can tell me, hey, you need to have another revenue stream, but I know it's going to take about this amount of time, that's going to be something I can relate to. And then you're making my time worth worth more by being able to relate it that quickly. So um, so I, I want to say I, I I love that you you were able to do that. I appreciate you being able to come on here talking about audits. If somebody goes through one, what what they should be looking for and uh kind of navigating through that uh along with tax planning. So if somebody wants, if they're going through an audit right now um or got just got that letter. On top of they want to get better if it's another business owner trying to work on their tax planning and, and working out 2019, uh, how does someone contact you guys?
2: The easiest way is just email me, john, J-O-H-N, at insighttotax.com. Um, and based on your the, uh, you know, the needs and where they're at, we can get them to the right team member who has the skill set who can help them.
1: Excellent. Excellent, John. Well, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. I appreciate you taking the time out and jumping on here and being able to talk about all these things. Um, I know they're super beneficial, not only to gym owners, but to really anybody that's going through business right now. So thank you for your time and I appreciate everything
2: you do. Thanks, Greg.
3: Everybody hates their insurance company until they need their insurance company. My insurance recommendation is Von Vernon of Affiliate Guard. Before I get into this story, I want to make it clear here that I don't get any kickback for recommending Vaughn, but I've done it so many times. Whenever anybody online asks a question about insurance companies, I always say affiliate guard. Here's why. Years ago, when we affiliated with CrossFit, my insurance company dumped me, uh, citing quote-unquote tractor pulls that we were going to be doing, whatever the hell that is. I've never pulled a tractor in my life. Um, I've driven lots of tractors, and I can tell you, I don't think I could pull one if I wanted to, but that's besides the point. At that time, the person who swooped in and saved CrossFit gyms in Canada was Joanne Legale. And if you're in Canada, I recommend talking to her, period. You don't have to talk to her first. You don't have to talk to her last. Just talk to her, period. If you're in the States, though, I recommend Affiliate Guard because... The program that I get through Joanne in Canada is really, really awesome and all-inclusive. Joanne's personality, though, is what keeps me with their company. In the States, Affiliate Guard is run by Von Vernon, a massive personality, a CrossFitter, a jiu-jitsu guy, he drives dirt bikes, he has good-looking kids, all that stuff, and his policy is the best. It's really, really tough to tell when you're reading your policy if the benefits are the same as someone else's because they obscure stuff on purpose. It's just like taxes. However, when I'm looking at my policy, I ask myself, will that guy get up in the middle of the night and help me out? This weekend was a great example of Vaughn's personality. One of my friends and clients down in Florida had their garage door smashed open by a Mustang that was doing donuts in the parking lot. And they texted me at 6 a.m. on a Sunday. And I wanted to help, so I texted Vaughn. He's two hours behind me, and he responded right away. Your insurance company is not going to do that. As I said at the start of this everybody hates their insurance company until they need insurance. And when you do need insurance, you want them to answer the damn phone on a Sunday morning. And you want to talk to the head man and you just want to know everything's going to be okay. With Affiliate Guard, it is.
1: There we go. Brian, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Welcome to Two Brain Stories. Thanks. Thanks for having me. So um, I want you to give a little bit of background about yourself and, and and the business that you own, and then uh, we'll kind of get into the story to tell.
0: Sure. I, uh, I grew up in Colorado, really active, played hockey. In see 2004, I had a really bad ski injury, and I shattered my spine, and uh, I was in a brace for like six months. And my doctor told me, you know, don't do a lot of things. And long story short, when I started squatting and deadlifting, pain went away, and I got really into uh, strength and conditioning because I was coaching hockey. And, you know, one thing led to another and I affiliated CrossFit in 2013. And uh, here we
1: are. <laughs> excellent. Excellent. Yeah. So I wanted to bring you on because uh, a, a recent post that I saw from you uh, that I wanted to kind of talk about. And sure. that was, let's let's talk about what led you up to this. And then in yeah. your term of of hitting rock bottom yeah. financially, what What did you do
0: and what were the tactics you used to kind of get out of it? So it's just excessive spending is what it really came down to. And it was just, you know, like we had a decent, a fair amount of revenue, but it was just getting blown every single time. And what happened where it was really the moment of truth, so to speak, is a call I had with Josh and Kalita was on the call too, and they went through and They rooted through uh, one of my bank statements and they're just like, what's this? What's this? What's this? And it was like this total feeling of exposure and it felt disgusting and horrible, but it was needed. And now uh, I'm doing profit first and cutting expenses. Like I'm still in the process of doing it because it's, you know, taking a while, but it's finally seeing, seeing some light and random or not, we had a great revenue month during the expense cutting, even though uh, we weren't necessarily pushing for that. So when we were heading in that direction, um, let's let's go on. What were the things that you were spending
1: money on that you guys kind of noticed? Hey, we don't need this. Hey, we don't need that.
0: Uh, like stupid equipment things. Like uh, rower hangers is one thing that kind of stuck out. Like that was just dumb. The jerk blocks you see behind me. <laughs> there's there's not just, that's not the only set of those that we have. There's another one in a different room in here. Just like random stuff like that. Just we don't really need to to run a good crossfit group okay
1: when you were spending that that amount of money on that kind of things what was your profit percentage at what was where were you guys sitting at when you say financially rock bottom What is that what does that look like
0: oh super low that's like no profit and i'm not taking a check at the end of the month right and josh was like i've been there dude and here's how you got to think about this from from here on out uh where you know everybody else is getting paid and i'm not luckily my wife has a, a job as well so but the the real the issue here where I needed to fix all these financials is we're pregnant with twins and I gotta be able to support the family if, if she decides to stop working, so I can't be spending frivolous things at the liquor store for uh parties at the gym. <laughs> yeah. So Exactly, exactly. Okay. Yeah. So how long did it take you to get to to
1: not collecting a paycheck, uh, not making any profit, to where you are now. What What did that process
0: look like? Well, we're still in the process, honestly. But I I, I did take a check this month because I eliminated uh, so many various expenses. So it, it didn't take long. Uh, I cut my this one like little thing. I cut my uh, internet bill like by more than half, which was insane. Wow. So and that's just like just money in my pocket. So
1: yeah exactly. what uh was there any other like fixed costs like that that you were able to cut to to bring your profit percentage up
0: well i i'm getting, I'm taking on more renters to you know sublease, which we, our space is a little bit too big for what we need, mm-hmm. so we're taking on some more just health professionals, which which is going to be awesome yeah just like different uh, subscriptions too that we didn't need stuff on Amazon things of that nature. Okay. So
1: we're on the process currently. We haven't we haven't gotten to exactly where you want to be, but you've gotten to the point where now you're you're actually able to collect a paycheck, which is which is huge. I mean, it's it's this stigma that or better yet dogma that CrossFit gyms shouldn't they should do it for free. They should they shouldn't collect a paycheck. And you're kind of proving, hey, at first you were proving, yeah, that's right, but now you're like, no, we don't need 16 pairs of jerk blocks and rower hangers you need yeah. to get paid so that you can help kind of support your family, especially if your wife decides, hey, no, I'm, I'm going to be the stay-at-home parent and we need yeah. to be able to afford that.
0: Yeah, it's, it's crazy. And Co- Cooper has joked about it in the past where it's like, yeah, you want to get paid more than just go back to full-time coaching, right? And I'm far enough along in this process where I, I know that I can't do that because the business will stop growing. So I'm not, I'm not doing it at the cost of going back to coaching every single class. But it, there was a, big, a a big learning curve here. We doubled our size. And it probably wasn't the best decision, just with the competitive landscape. So it's one of those things where we're bigger now and I kind of wish I was smaller. Because I was not only was I coaching everything, but our rent expense was less than half. So that's why I'm trying to sublease out and get some more of that back.
1: Yeah, exactly. And the best way to do that is exactly what you're doing. I mean, subleasing that space to other professionals that have a one degree separation from you. What what do you what have you gotten in there sub sublease wise to uh, kind of help and facilitate?
0: Facial stretching is one. Which um, and then they are physical therapists, but we added another physical therapist. We also have. Uh, I know everybody in two Brain has an in-body, but we actually have a hydrostatic body fat tank. And the person who owns and runs that is a subletter of our business. So that's pretty cool too. So we, we, we send our clients back and forth.
1: Excellent. See, exactly. And yeah. it's perfect because not only do you get a sublease, but then your clients get a better experience by offering them other, other avenues that can help them on their uh, health and fitness journeys. Yeah, exactly.
0: And then coming down the line is massage and chiropractic as well. So. Excellent. Excellent. That's awesome. Yeah.
1: I love to hear that. Um, I love, I really appreciate you being on here and love that we got to uh, share that story from, Hey, this is where we're at. We've kind of bit off a little bit more than we can chew. And, but you guys, you found avenues to not only be able for you to collect a paycheck, uh, but then also to kind of minimize your risk by subleasing that space out to others. And uh, it sounds like you're, you're on an excellent road to success, man. Yeah. It's coming along. So it's exciting. Definitely. So thank you, Brian. I greatly appreciate you jumping on here uh, and sharing your story with the crowd. Thank you. And I hope you get to where you want to be. And I hope the gym um, is super successful as it seems like it's about to, it's already heading in that direction. Great. Thanks for having me on. Thank you. As always, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. We greatly appreciate you and everyone that has subscribed to us. If you haven't done that, please make sure you do. Drop a like to the episode share with a friend. And if you haven't already, please write us a review and rate us on what you think. If you hated it, let us know. If you loved it, even better. See you guys later.